0: Are you ready to dive into the powerful truth the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. Question, have you ever begged Jesus for something? I know I sure have. I actually think that most of us probably have. You know, whether it's for finances, you know, provision, it could be for help. Sometimes it could just be for a dose of sanity. It could be to calm the storm that feels like it's swirling around us. You know, all these things can come into play, right? Where we're, where we end up, where we're begging, where we're, you know, you could put it in other terms. Okay. I'm praying with passion. All right. But whatever it is, it's, it's like, you're, you're really going for, okay, God, please, 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 please. And I think, again, I, we we all do that, right? We all do that. And so I was really caught this morning. I'm in uh, the book of Mark. That's where I've been studying. So we've been talking a lot about that. And I am in chapter five. And when you get a chance, I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and read Mark 5, 1 to 20. In fact, make sure you have a chance to do that sometime today. And just read through it slowly and ponder what it would be like to be one of the disciples watching all this unfold so i'm going to more story tell it today and and just kind of allow you know the sanctified imagination to enter and then i want to ask you guys to do the same too because you know god is speaking he wants to see us set free he wants to see the chains that hinder us just broken off in fact right now i just i just decree declare. Because it's the Father's heart that as we go through this teaching today, you're gonna you're gonna be set free. Like you're gonna feel chains breaking off that have held you in bondage, disappointments, things that have been sitting there, things that you've begged the Lord for that you haven't necessarily understood what he's doing or his answer or how things look. But there's gonna be just a realignment today into the things of the Lord. So okay, you ready? All right. So right now as as we entered, this is this is actually the the story of the, um, the demonic who lives among the tombs, it's the region of the Gadarenes. And so, you know, it's, it's just not a pretty picture, but think of yourself, you're one of the disciples. Okay. So just yesterday, the crowds were being taught on the shore and, and you send the crowds home and, and uh, Jesus has been talking in parables. You've just been soaking in and learning so much. And then He says, "We're going to go to the other side." So you get the boat, and there's a number of small boats that are are going to the other side. And and you know, you're you're rocking along, but suddenly the wind comes up, and the wind comes up, and and the and the ocean begins, or the sea begins to howl, and you know, your your boat's filling with water. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. And and you know, and you're trying to to reconcile all this that you've been learning. And yet you're a seasoned fisherman and you're scared. You're scared of the storm. and what's what's the master doing? He's just sound asleep there on the stern. Happy as a clam, you know, just sound asleep. And so you wake him up and he calms he calms the storm and a different type of fear enters because suddenly, you know we talked about this the uh, the faith and the fear collide. And it causes this uh, crisis question like, who are you? Who are you? And and so a greater fear enters in as you're trying to reconcile, like who is this man who's calmed the storm? Okay, so with peaceful waters, you journey on across, but man, it's been a long trip. It's been a long night, and you're full of questions, but you're also full of wonder and amazement. But my gosh, what's going on? You're trying to bring it all together. And so you come and you land the boat, you're in Gentile territory, and and um this, this man sees Jesus. And he comes a running. And the thing is, is he's, he's a Gentile. He's smelly. He's dirty. He lives around the tombs. He's, he's naked. Okay. Like nothing in, in your Jewish mindset. Again, nothing is, is making sense. And, uh, and this guy's strong. Like you he's, he's cut himself. He's bloody. He's messy. And, um, uh, not to get too graphically gross, but you know, if you're cutting yourself and you're living outside, you're not practicing hygiene, there's going to be other things that happen to your skin with all those open sores and whatnot. He's he's disgusting. We could so easily read over it and sanitize it, but he is disgusting. And if the Jewish disciples get next to him by Jewish law, by traditional law, it would render them unclean. And here, this is the very situation that they're stepping into. You see, in, in this moment, there's more shaking going on as Jesus is shifting them and he's challenging them as he's as he's showing his deity and who he is. So the, the demon-possessed man, he runs up to Jesus and he kneels down in front of him. But that voice that the disciples hear isn't quite right. You see, it's not the voice of a man. It's the voice of demons. No man, scripture tells us that no one's been able to, to control this man. He can't be bound. He would just break free. Imagine that type of strength. You see, demons, the demons who were within this man, who could not be bound by humans, when Jesus set foot in their territory, they recognized that the one, who was able to plunder the demonic realm had just set foot on their land and there was nothing they could do about it. In fact the only thing they could do was to bow down basically to kneel at his feet and to beg for mercy. think about this I doubt too many have seen this level of demonic possession in this, in this particular account, Jesus engages with the demon, which um, I will, let me just do a sidebar here. Many ministries have made whole deliverance models out of this. I just have a question. On this side of the cross, why on earth would we talk to the demons who we are told seek to lie, kill, and destroy when Jesus can tell us anything we need to know for deliverance? Okay. So... Um, but here, of course, Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God in human flesh dwelling among us. He enters into a, a, that conversation with the demons. And in this conversation, we learn that the demon said his name is Legion because there's so many. Um, you know, the best we can state is the largest number of troops or soldiers in in. The, a legion of the Roman army, which was their largest division was about 5,600. I was teaching out in Africa and I was, I was teaching on, the, on this. And one of the pastors who deals with a lot of demonic activity where he lives, he said to me, he goes, how do how did, how did they know how many, how, how did the demon know how many were there? Like he got stuck on that. And uh, we really had to work with him to say, you know, honestly, you don't need to know how many demons are there. You need to know that Jesus is there, you know? And, uh, and so often we can get focused on the demon, that we forget the one who stepped foot on the land. We forget that, that Jesus is right there and the one outnumbers the many, which brings us to a key. When, when we're talking about deliverance, you know, sometimes we can go begging Jesus even with deliverance. But the thing is, no matter how large that demonic cord is, an army of one with Jesus is stronger than the largest demonic horde. You see, we have to understand that demons hate God, but they can't destroy him. They know that won't work. So what they do is they try to destroy and disfigure the image of God. Genesis tells us that we are created in the image of God. Genesis one twenty-seven. we are created in the image of God. Therefore, as a son or daughter of the most high God, you have to know your authority so that you know what you carry when you step into the land. So that you don't end up begging the demons for mercy, but the demons are begging you because they see who you carry and the power and the authority that you carry as you step into onto that land. Very, very important. Again, key, no matter how large the demonic horde is, an army of one with Jesus is stronger. So back to our demons who are who are there, you know possessing this man and the man's at the feet of Jesus, they beg Jesus. they beg Jesus to send them into the pigs because they understand that Jesus could send them into the fire pit into the the you know the lake of fire that ultimately will be their destiny and they know that. So they're begging for mercy so they don't have to go there yet. So Jesus sends them into the pigs. Another place, just a, a word for deliverance. When you do deliverance, yes, this is what Jesus did. He chose a place to send them. The best thing you could do is send the demons to Jesus and let him decide where they go. Okay. But right here, Jesus sends them into the pigs. You have to understand the whole role of the demonic is to kill and destroy. So they're just acting in their nature when they go and run those whole that herd of pigs right into the sea and drown them. Their nature is to kill and destroy. Okay, now back to our disciples. Imagine our disciples, they're still rocking and rolling from the storm the night before, from Jesus calming the storm, from trying to figure out who he is, from everything going on. And here, they've just seen this man, horrible, unclean, bloody, naked man, come up, kneel before Jesus. They've heard the exchange. And now they see this herd of pigs. Which, yes, they're unclean animals to the Jewish, the good Jewish men, but they're watching them. They're watching them become demon-possessed and committing suicide, pigly suicide. I mean, come on. Again, their minds are like, oh, my gosh, who is this? You see, the bot- demonic had bound that man. The people who lived in that region who had tried to control him, who had tried to bind him, could not, because of the strength of the demonic within him. But in that moment, Jesus transformed that man and everything changed. Everything shifted in that moment because Jesus stepped into the scene. Now put yourself with the crowd, okay? There's people watching this. They observed this. The man would have been known within the community. Stories were told about him. Parents would have warned their children not to go around him, to stay away from the tombs. If you see this man coming, go the other direction. He's scary. He's not safe. I'm actually sure he was a part of nightmares for many because he would have scared the people of the community. However, in this moment, remember the disciples in the boat? You know, I just mentioned it. We talked about it the other day, but I mentioned it. When Jesus calmed the storm, they were in great fear because they were trying to figure out who was among them. Here, the crowd is responding in great fear because he's just shifted the atmosphere. You know, it's interesting. Their response, they begged Jesus to leave. They begged him to leave. They were so scared that they begged Jesus to leave. You see, the the key here is is that the crowd would rather have an army of evil spirits living in their midst than the Savior of the world. I just want to put this out there. What's happening around our world today with our culture in many, many areas? As we usher in laws, cultural expectation, political pressures that do not align with the word of God, as we're allowing culture to influence our regions, we're basically doing the same thing. Our world is shifting to a place where we would rather have an army of evil spirits living in our midst than the savior of the world. Be careful. Be careful, beloved, that you do not allow yourself to align with the crowd. Be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. So again, so far we have two types of begging going on for Jesus. One is we have the demonic, basically begging Jesus for mercy that he would not torment them. The second we have the crowd, the people, the townspeople, the people who live there. The people who tried to bind this man because he was such a menace and couldn't do it. Now here he is sitting clean and in his right mind, all cleaned up, functioning, a functioning human being the way that God intended for him to function. And they are so scared of the radical change that they are begging Jesus to leave. So our third situation of begging is actually the man the formerly demon possessed man the man who was all cleaned up who was who had an encounter with the most high god who had been set free whose chains had been broken the demon had been cast out his head is clear for the first time he is clothed he's cleaned up he's breathing fresh air he is no longer being tormented this gentile man has encountered the savior of the world. He's encountered the healing of Jesus Christ. And what does he want to do? He wants to stay with Jesus. He has a sense of family. He has a sense of belonging. He wants to be a disciple of Jesus. He's like, Lord, let, just let me stay with you. Let me go with you. Let me travel with you. Let me be with you. And what does Jesus say? He says no. He says no. But with that, he gives him an assignment. And that assignment is to go and tell what the Lord has done, to go be a witness to this community and beyond the very people who have told Jesus to leave, who have begged Jesus to leave. Those who have seen the transformation. In other words, he's to go bear witness in his hometown and beyond. It's hard to minister in your own hometown. Trust me. It's really, really hard. The radical transformation. And the people couldn't, they they couldn't deal with it. But here's what I want to say, kingdom perspective. The people begged Jesus to leave, and Jesus did leave that region. But not fully, because he left the man there, the man who had been set free, the man who maybe he, he, he screeched all through the tombs before, he used this voice for fear, intimidation, manipulation to to carry out the demonic plans and the schemes. He it was a voice of torment. And now that same man, because of an encounter with Jesus Christ, had a voice of freedom and a testimony that was going to resound throughout that region. You see, verse uh it, verse 20 says, So he departed, so the man, the, the formerly demon-possessed man departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Your voice matters. Your voice matters in a world that's trying to tell God to go away. That's trying to put God in a box. That's trying to quiet the name of Jesus. That's trying to to. Change the word of God to fit into an evil culture, and yet your voice matters. So, are you being told to go and to tell? He wasn't sent to the far regions of the world, he was sent back into the community, he was sent into his area, into his town, into the surrounding towns to proclaim what God had done. And everyone was amazed. Your voice matters. So, all this to say, what are we asking Jesus for? What are we begging him for? Are we like the demons who want to stay in our comfort zone? Just don't want to be tortured? Who had no choice but to bow at the feet of Jesus, but then had no choice but to listen to what he said? Are we like the townspeople who who just want their, their comfy life back and, and would rather have evil and wickedness and hordes of demons um, in their midst? Than to have the life of freedom that Jesus Christ carries. Are we like the man where we're where, where, where like, Jesus, I want to be with you. I, I just want it. Jesus is saying, you know what? You are mine. You are mine. But I have an assignment for you. And you need to go tell. You need to proclaim your testimony. You need to open up your mouth and tell people who I am. so it just caught me today, the responses woven through here. So I'm going to encourage you today, grab a couple different translations of the Bible or look them up online. Take a look at Mark 1, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Read through this and ask, Holy Spirit, where am I in all of this? What do you want to teach me? What do I need to learn? Because I have a voice and I'm to declare your goodness and your name. So where am I to be in all this? And some of you guys, you need to work on your authority. Like you see the demons and you tremble. We had a woman when I was at American Association of Christian Counselors. We had a precious, precious counselor come up to us. And we were talking about how the Mashaw model can be used. Portions of it can be used in professional counseling. And that is increasing. We're having great questions about that and how to do it and training people, training professional counselors. And, um, and this one counselor, one of the things we were talking about was deliverance. And she said, oh, I had somebody walk into my office who I, I, I know they were they had demonic activity. And I told them I wasn't the right counselor. I don't know how to handle this. And I looked at her and I said, well, what if we worked with you and taught you how to handle this, taught you who you are in Christ, taught you the authority that you have? We equip you so that you can do this, so that you know what you carry. And she quickly excused herself because it was too scary. We carry the kingdom of heaven. We have to learn to walk in that. So it's been great being with you today. If you haven't already done so, I want to tell you we have um we have a Michael dedicated website. It's brand new. And so since I've mentioned Mashaw, if you want to check it out, it's really clear. We just love it. It is mashawministry.com. How's that spelled? M-A-S-H-A-H ministry.com. And that is dedicated to the Mashaw Emotional Healing and Deliverance model, the various ways where you can get training or you can be trained. And whether you're an individual, whether you're in a church or whether you're a professional counselor, we would just love that opportunity to minister to you or to work with you as you get trained yourself. So com. great thing to check it out. And then um, just know that you are here for such a time as this. Be abundantly blessed as you go through today. And remember, Crack open the word of God and take a look at Mark 5. You'll be glad you did. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to comment, like, review, and share it with others to help us reach more people. We also invite you to like and follow Ruth Hendrickson Ministries on Facebook or subscribe to the YouTube channel. We welcome your prayers and financial partnership to make this podcast possible. If you would like to financially support this ministry, please visit our website, ruthhendrickson.org.